but really also to clearing away those kind of negative, like we talked about imposter syndrome or perfectionism that comes up so much with women and really lead forward with a passion project. And a lot of times these passion projects through time and through perseverance end up like completely changing someone's life from becoming an author, becoming a business owner, being able to leave their day job or moving somewhere beautiful that they've always wanted to live. And I am just on fire to hear that. Empowered women going after what they want creates an empowered world. Hello and welcome to the Healing and Dealing podcast. I am your host, Charlotte, and I am so excited to go on this journey with you. Through a trauma-informed lens, we will navigate healing through conversation and connection while learning tools to embody our transformation and make lasting changes in our lives. We will cover relatable topics and discuss various modalities to put into action and ignite change. This podcast will have incredible guests who will share their story and provide proof that even in the darkest times, there is light waiting for us. If you landed here, it's for a reason. Now, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Healing and Dealing podcast. Today, I am so excited and so honored to have wonderful, beautiful Carolina Jaklavolska. Did I get that right? Pretty close. (laughs) She is an alcohol-free empowerment expert who helps intuitive women ditch alcohol and discover their greater purpose. She's worked with thousands of clients through her programs to change their drinking habit and unleash a new level of health, happiness, and drive to go after their biggest dreams. She is the best-selling author of the book, Euphoric, Ditch Alcohol and Gain a Happier, More Confident You. And her work has been featured in the Huffington Post, the Sunday Post, Pop Sugar, Real Simple, Elite Daily, and multiple TV shows. Carolina also certifies new coaches in her Empowered AF coaching certification program. And she's passionate about helping you discover what really makes you happy outside of a beverage and design an emboldened alcohol-free life. And she would love to hear from you if you ever want to on her, on her website, euphoricaf.com. Hi, Carolina. Well, Charlotte, thank you for the warm welcome. It's so good to talk to you again. Oh my gosh. Everything I was reading, I was like, yep, yep. She did that for me. She did that for me. I'm like checking off the boxes. (laughs) For anyone that doesn't know, I took Carolina's Becoming Embolded program. We finished a few months ago, right? It's been, I think it's been a few months since it ended. And this is really the program where I had already been alcohol free for a few months. And it's kind of like that next step out of, you know, you're not drinking, but like, what are you going to do now? Where, where in your life can you like find things that you really love and enjoy? Like what really lights you up and what, just like all the possibilities that come after I feel like because some people get stuck when they stop drinking and they're like, what's next? And you helped me discover what was next for me. And I'm just so thankful for you. You you were had such a huge impact on my journey, not only with alcohol free, but like actual real life stuff, you know, and starting my podcast and all of that, which we will get into. But first, I would love for everyone to just get to know you a little better And I know we're both from San Diego, so that's awesome. And we have mutual friends, which I was not expecting when I first picked up your book. But yeah, tell us about yourself a little. 
Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Like seriously, that gives me all of my deeper why. It's like why I do all of this is that I remember what I where I was like living what I would call just a mediocre life. It wasn't bad. It wasn't by any means something to call rehab about or anything like that. But it definitely was not the dream life I wanted for myself. And seeing other role models around me inspire me and change my life really helped me recognize that so much more is possible than we think. And I actually believe that alcohol-free women or anyone who's gone through this transformation where they've removed something that no longer serves them, an outdated Mm -hmm. pattern or habit or way of being, is now actually a thousand times more primed to go achieve their dream life than almost anyone else because of all the incredible gifts that you get. So basically, I am not only just an alcohol-free coach helping people ditch alcohol, but really my passion comes into that what's next and really seeing that all of these gifts have been given to you because you went alcohol-free, what can create out of that? And I love this question of like, what do women really want? You know, I think that we've been taught that it's selfish to ask those type of questions, but I really do believe when we hone in on our passions, hone in on our interests, we not only go after the things that we always wanted for our lives, but also we start to be examples for other people that anything is possible. And a lot of the times, the things that we're the most passionate about have to revolve around helping other people too. So it's just this huge ripple effect. So not only do I certify coaches in my new certification program, but really just helping people live as big and emboldened lives as possible, really kind of recognizing that I think we all got this wake up call, you know, wake up from snoozing, wake up from being kind of unconscious at the wheel and now have this intentionality to literally create any kind of future. And for that, I really have to thank alcohol. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 100%. That, that honestly was the, probably one of the biggest things I got from you was just the endless possibilities after alcohol, because I had so many limiting beliefs that were holding me back and And, you know, we still, it's still a journey for me. It's still things that I go through. And this podcast is one of them. And when I was in your program, I was, this is when all of it started kind of moving around inside me and thinking like, wow, I could start a podcast. This could be a really great thing. And through your program and our coaching sessions that we had weekly as a group, I was able to like really unravel so much, you know, and think like, this is actually something I could do and I could have my own podcast. And, and I can't remember like details from our conversations, but I know that there were times where I talked about having imposter syndrome and you were able to just like break all of that down for me and really show me like, like we were talking about before we recorded, I tend to build up all of this stuff around an idea that I have to do first. And you word it so beautifully. What what did you say to me when we were starting? You're you were saying something like you don't have to have the book. It all figured out basically. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I said it on my alcohol free podcast, I think, the episode. I said Carolina taught me, you know, even if you're 10% ahead of someone, you're you're still ahead like you have something that you can teach someone else. That hit me. That resonated with me so much because I was thinking I needed to do all this research and have these experts like come in and and me be able to quote people. And I remember coming to you with that and you were like, no, 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 you don't need all that. Like you have exactly what you need right now to actually do what you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that's exactly how like I started my own journey too, is that like when I discovered that life was so much 
better without alcohol after years of thinking that that would be hell. You know what I mean? That like, yeah. oh my God, don't take away that. That's not going to be fun. I was just like, there's something here I need to share with other people, you know, and I wasn't even alcohol free very long. And I definitely had no experience in the online world or anything like that. But I was like, but the past version of me would have loved this information. So Carolina, let's figure out a way to break through that imposter syndrome and all that stuff. I remember even thinking at one point that I needed to get a PhD, which is really funny for me because I already have two advanced degrees. So like if anything comes easily to me, it's going back to school. Mm -hmm. So that's like not what I actually needed to do. I needed to like get out there in the real world and start sharing it with women who needed to hear it. And just knowing that like really anchoring that past version of me who would have been so helped by the new information or the new wisdom or the new insights I have today, I used her as like this symbol in my mind of like, okay, I don't have to have a white coat. I don't have to be a doctor. I don't have to know all this stuff. I need to just share something that would resonate with her that would make her have a breakthrough. And we all can do that because we've all been that past version of us. And now we're that more evolved, more mature, more emotionally present person that Mm -hmm. can reach that person. Yeah, exactly. You taught me that as well. And I remember thinking I had to have it all figured out and then easily can go back to myself one year ago and think, Gosh, if I knew even a tiny bit of what I know now, how much that would, obviously it would have helped me because I learned it, but it's true. Like five years ago, I would have that version or even, you know, 10 years ago becoming, you know, a step parent and things that I wish I would have known then. And, and, you know, with blending families, there's just, there is so much to touch on that you don't need, you know, a PhD for, or, or have all these, you know, things on your resume that, that qualify you. I feel like life experience can qualify you enough. That's for sure. Absolutely. And it makes it more relatable too, because I think there's even a disconnect sometimes with like the white coat is that they might study the phenomenon, but not actually have lived it. And that's why I think it's so amazing when people go back and share their stories, whether it's formally, like as a career or even informally, just in their networks, just sharing their story is it helps someone. And it's like the relatability of it. Like, oh, you've gone through that too. Or, you know, just feeling I'm not alone or you found a solution, you know, whatever that is. Like, I think it's literally our purpose on this planet to go through everything we go through so that we can share it back with other people who need it. Mm -hmm, Definitely. I think one of the differences in your program versus other ones that I've taken is like, I think you have, do you have a 30 day master? I think you have something that's like shorter, right? I have a dry boot camp. So it's like for people who are taking maybe their first or second break from alcohol, just trying to get that like swing of days together and focus on new rituals. Or maybe it's in the book. It's like weeks because I remember I printed everything out. Yeah. So in my book, uh, Euphoric, Digital Call and Gain a Happier, More Confident You, I come with an eight-week plan that you can follow to take a break from alcohol. And it really goes into healing your mindset and changing some of those beliefs we have around alcohol. The theory being, if you can change the beliefs you have about anything to do with alcohol bringing you pleasure, benefits, or comfort, if you can change those beliefs and find the real truth, because I don't think they're true, right? Mm -hmm. They're just assumptions or marketing or whatever it is that we've come to believe around alcohol you actually can lose the desire. And so that's what I love about like teaching and working with women is it's not about you can't drink or you messed up and drink too much or you don't get to drink now. It's how do we get to a place where you don't even want to drink, where life is so much more exciting. You have so much more going on than a silly beverage at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. What I what I was going to say is you have your book and you have the weeks laid out, but you have the next step, which I think is missing from a lot 
you have the next step of becoming emboldened where, okay, now you're living alcohol free. How would you describe that program and, and what it does for women that are in it? Absolutely. So I think I recognized pretty early on that like this incredible alchemy happens when you ditch alcohol, especially if you do it with the right mindset and you're changing like some of those deep seated beliefs, not just the depriving yourself of drinking for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And these gifts I noticed were a lot more emotional. Like, yes, you get the you know physical benefits, you're you know waking up with more energy, you're sleeping better, but like the emotional gifts were really profound. You know, the gift of self-love that you're giving yourself when you show up for yourself and abide by your intentions every day. The gift of confidence that you get when you're literally like smashing your Achilles heel and proving to yourself every single day that you can live free without that, you know, toxin in your life. The gift of courage that you get when you literally have to be the odd one out and the person who says and doesn't belong sometimes when everyone's doing the ritual of drinking alcohol and abiding by your own values and your own sense of well-being instead of just doing what everyone else is doing. And the list of like qualities can go on and on and on, right? Confidence, Mm -hmm. courage, intuition, creativity, just all these things go up. And I just recognize in my own life that I took all those gifts and I really went forward into designing like my new purpose in life, really finding why was I drinking? And I think to me, the answer was like, I couldn't wait to fast forward through that week. I couldn't wait to get through that work week and just get to that weekend and drink. And I was like, how could I create a life that I wouldn't want to fast forward through? You know, and so I took those gifts and I went out myself and launched a business and wrote a book and just created a completely different life than the one I was living before. I now travel most of the time. And I've just noticed that that wasn't an anomaly for me, that those gifts are really these beautiful things that we can take and use them to move forward into any goal or dream. And that's really what Become Emboldened helps women to do. So I like to find women who are already alcohol-free at least for by a few months or so. So it's not like your first day one or anything. Mm -hmm. And once you've kind of gotten to the groove of, you know, having no alcohol in your life for a bit, you've regained that self-esteem, you've regained that confidence, that courage. It's now like the all the other limiting beliefs that we've kind of picked up. It's time to not only just heal those, but also find what do you want? Like, what do you want most out of anything in the world? And you could never tell me anything crazy or too far-fetched. I am an unrealistic dreamer, and I really believe that anything is possible. And I believe that your desires were not, they're not yours in the sense that they were given to you. Mm-hmm. They were given to you by something else, by something more powerful than you. And it's a sign that you are the one who's meant to achieve them. So I don't take them lightly when people tell me their dreams. And through that program, not only are we harnessing these dreams and figuring out what they are, we're implementing them. We're giving the tools and the frameworks on how to achieve your goals. Some specific dreams come up. So I talk about like writing a book or launching mm-hmm. a business or a podcast and stuff like that. But really also to clearing away those kind of negative, like we talked about imposter syndrome or perfectionism that comes up Mm -hmm. so much with women and really lead forward with a passion project. A lot of times these passion projects through time and through perseverance end up like completely changing someone's life from Mm -hmm. becoming an author, becoming a business owner, being able to leave their day job or moving somewhere beautiful that they've always wanted to live. And I am just on fire to hear that empowered women going after what they want creates an empowered world. Right. I love that. I have the chills right now just listening to you say all of that because it's because I lived it and I went through it with you. I I really want to highlight the self-love part because in your book there were a few different chapters or sections that really really hit home for me and one of them was the self-love and I want you to kind of describe what you mean. I know what you mean, but I want everyone else to hear about taking care of your future self because that really got me. 
I would, when I was drinking, it was more like right now I want to do this, but I wasn't thinking about that hangover the next day. And that's why every time it was just more shame, more regret, more hate towards myself. But when you worded it that way, it was like, wow, I, I, now it's like, I look forward to taking care of tomorrow, (laughs) future Charlotte. Yeah. And that's exactly it, right? That self-love idea is that it's showing yourself love in the future. And so, you know, every time I was talking myself into another drink, I was like, eh, whatever, she'll deal with it tomorrow. Who cares? I want another drink now. And I did that so many times. And the next morning I woke up and I was like, seriously, Carolina, seriously, you thought that was a good idea or you didn't Mm -hmm. even think how I would feel today. You knew we had that important meeting today. Like really? And every single down time I let myself down and I don't even, I'm not even talking about the times I drink way too much, even just the littlest bit, right? Even just the day that I did drink when I said I wouldn't, whatever it was, Mm -hmm. I woke up feeling like the yesterday version of me didn't respect me. She didn't abide by my intention. She didn't care what I'd feel like the next day. It was all about her immediate gratification. And that made me feel really unloved. Also, I broke promises to myself. So I really felt like I also couldn't trust myself. Mm -hmm. And so when I really started to change my relationship with alcohol, like just the idea of every single night putting my head on the pillow, showing myself love for that future version of me and future version of me would wake up feeling amazing and being Mm -hmm. like, thank you, past version. You looked out for me. You respected me. You loved me. And this analogy obviously can be applied in so many other areas, like taking care of an annoying administrative errand that will save you financial bills in the future or Mm -hmm. washing your sheets so you have like a beautiful bed to climb into at the end of a vacation or something. So there's all these ways that we can apply it. But that really, that's that like this is self-love in action. I think self-love is talked a lot about and kind of conflated with self-care and we just think of bubble baths and all that kind of stuff. Like self-love in action is looking out for future version of you. Yeah, that completely changed my life. It changed my view. I I mean, I was at a point, Carolina, where I was looking in the mirror and just disgusted with who I was because of the, the, the decisions I made the day before. And I remember thinking like, gosh, like, why do I keep doing this to myself? You know, I know I don't want to feel like this. I know I don't want to have these terrible thoughts about myself when I look in the mirror. And once I once I started building that self-trust and listening to my intuition and taking care of my future self, it built so quick. It was like, yes, you didn't drink last night. And I didn't even have a desire at that point. But it was just like day after day of building that. I couldn't rely on it on anything that I said back then. I would always make, I learned that I couldn't make appointments early in the morning on the weekends because I knew I wasn't gonna make it. And I would ditch friends or I would, you know, miss, I would feel like total crap at my daughter's game or my kids' games because of it. And once now that I've built up all of this, you know, self-trust and self-love, like action self-love, like you're saying, I can say I'll be there at 7.30 in the morning and I know I'm gonna be there. It's like, to me, that was huge because it was always something that was just like a black cloud over me. Like, oh, I know I'm going to drink. I'm going to be hungover. I had to plan my life around hangovers. And that self-love piece, it just, it changed so much because I wasn't breaking those promises anymore. I wasn't, you know, telling, I wasn't hurting other people either by not showing up. And I know it, it did some damage at some point, you know, it's like, wow, we're friends, but you can't even show up. And we had this pedicure appointment and I'll bail, you know? So the self-love part was so big for me. And, and because I was just 
I didn't love myself at that point. And I wasn't, you know, this alcoholic that had been drinking for years and lost her whole life. It was like on the outside, it looked okay. But on the inside, I was like, oh, like I, I don't like you. I don't like the choices you make and the woman that you are. But now nine months later, I can look in the mirror and say, you are a badass and I love you and you've conquered so much. And, and that literally it's just because I took away alcohol. It's crazy. Like to think that one beverage was doing so much to me and I could change so much by just removing it. And you taught me to look at it like that. Like it's just a beverage. It's, and you take away this one thing and so much changes. There was something else that you said. I can't, I have it written down in a different notebook, but it was, about making the decision to never drink again and stick to it is that close i don't know it was something about like making the decision because when you're like stuck in between yeah so definitely like you know anyone listening if you're thinking about uh experimenting with life without alcohol having some kind of firm commitment is really helpful because like if you make it very nebulous it's like you know something's going to come up and just be like eh, i don't know about that And if you make it like a day by day thing, that means you're also deciding every day. So having like a really firm, like, okay, I'm going to do eight weeks or whatever it is and continue from there. And so I remember that's how I kind of arranged my first, you know, break from alcohol is like, it was a very fixed container. And when I finished the container, then, then you're like, okay, well now what are you going to do? Like you said, you're going to do this much, like six months, whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you decide the number. And then what are you going to do? And I remember having a huge epiphany because like I had never set out to quit drinking from the very get go, you know, and I I don't think a lot of people do unless they have a very, very rarely severe story. Mm -hmm. And because it's scary, it's terrifying. It's what we've always known. And it's how we connect and relate to people and socialize and all these things. But I started to notice that fire that you're talking about. You know, not only is this like this beautiful sense of self-love that you're rebuilding with yourself, but imagine like what you're able to do each day from that position, that state, right? That mental state. Mm -hmm. And everything that you do that day is this compounding effect for the next day. And it's like in a few short years, if not even months, like obviously you're going to have the top ranked podcast and you're going to have your book out and just like so much is going to happen for you because you get to live in the state and this energy every single day. Mm -hmm. And I think that when alcohol was kind of like up for debate again, it's like, okay, I finished my container. Now what do I do? I recognized that I was doing so much more than I ever had. And I don't mean just like overproductivity. I mean, like really believing and going for inspired action around my goals and dreams. And I was like, this is incredible. Mm -hmm. Why would I ever want to go back to the way I was living before? And for what? For what? Right? Like I've had this beer. I've had this glass of wine. I've had this cocktail thousands of times in my life. Mm -hmm. I've done it. I've been there. I've seen what results from it. There's nothing that special about it, you know, but this path, this is the path that is completely open-ended. This is the path where miracles can happen. And that really helped me solidify and sustain an alcohol-free life. Like that's my bigger why. Mm-hmm. I know I play so big. I know that my entire dream life is on this other side of the bridge, you know? And like, why would I ever kind of go back or question it? That's exactly what I think. Like, because it crosses my mind sometimes. I'm like, I wonder if I'm going to drink again. And then I'm like, why would I want to? Why would I ever want to do that? Like, I know what that's going to lead me to. And you know, what's crazy is it alcohol I've been drinking for, you know, since I was 12, you know, and I'm 37. Just we actually our birthdays both just passed. I'm the 25th. You're the 20. 
Fourth. Fourth, yeah. That's my son. Oh my gosh, amazing. Leo Leo season. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. But but I've been drinking for so long that it went, oh my gosh, I lost it because of Leo season. It was something about, do you remember what I was saying? (laughs) Yeah. So you've been drinking for so long and there was this like, why would you ever go back type of mentality for it? Yeah, exactly. It never was like a huge problem for a lot of years. It was like kind of like maybe we would drink once a month, whatever. It wasn't a, a problem. And then it just spiraled really quick. And I think it was, it had to do with like all of my trauma resurfacing and really trying to like dig through all of it. I just started drinking to cope. And I mean, within a very short few months, I was drinking daily, which I didn't do before. I was hiding it. And it just has like a way of really creeping up on you. So why would I ever want to go back to that? Because I know what it can do. And I've seen it, people around me like end up in the hospital. And these are people my age that, you know, alcohol is just, it, I'm sure you could describe this so much better. So I'll let you, but the way it obviously is promoted to us and it's embedded in everything we do. And it can just like really just come in here and take over and you just don't even expect it. You know, it's like, it's like this, I don't know, you explain it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Of course. And I think that there's like a fiery activism that can come out of that as well. Like not only all of the life lost, all of the health lost. Like there, we're just starting to discover how much health is lost from alcohol because for so long we only attributed like deaths from alcohol when like someone like literally poisoned their liver, right? But there's yeah. so many other deaths, either cancer or heart disease or dementia that are actually also attributed to alcohol that we're just starting now to capture. So life lost, health lost, also dreams lost. You know, like even when someone isn't living that rock bottom, but they're just kind of living that so-so life and alcohol makes it so easy to just stay comfortable. And that's what it is about alcohol. It's not wrong, right? It's not like a like a morally, you know, mm-hmm. something that's offensive or anything like that. It's not like everyone has to quit drinking tomorrow. I'm not, don't think that at all. It's just so easy. It's such a comfort zone. It makes it right. so easy to keep doing the same things, living in the same patterns, always having that immediate gratification, never working through your emotions and actually figuring out what you want, not like designing the life that you really want, just like drinking over the things you don't like. And for me, it was so much easier to open that bottle of wine than write that next great American novel, you know, and you come to the end of your life and you're like, what did I really want to be my legacy? What did I really want to achieve? And looking back and just seeing all these weekends, right, with alcohol Mm -hmm. and, and whatever, like the same thing happening over and over again, it also like pops the illusion of alcohol romanticism. Like it's actually the most homogeneous experience we could ever have. You know what I mean? Like drinking the fun we think that it's associated with it. There's obviously a lot of science in the neurochemistry of what it does to your brain that really shows it's not fun, but just like the boringness of it, you know, like life is so beautiful. There's so many things to explore. There's so much to do and to be and to have. And I think anytime we feel bored without drinking or think that we will be, it's actually a signal from our brain that we're like meant to start something new, to have a new challenge in our lives, whether that's more mental stimulation or more adventure in our lives. And I think that's kind of like the kind of the the joiner of why Become Emboldened is I love leading it so much and teaching it is because like we need purpose in our lives. We need mm-hmm. fulfillment in our lives. And alcohol makes it really hard to figure out what that is. And now once you remove it, it's such a beautiful time to find that deeper purpose and sense of fulfillment because the highs you get from fulfillment will never compare to a 20 minute buzz. Right. 
Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because when I started sharing my alcohol-free journey on social media and I would make videos of one month, two months, three months, after I would post them, I would get this rush and this high from it. And it was like, wow, this feels so good. And and that's really what led me to even wanting to do the podcast. It was like, I actually really like that. And it feels amazing to share my story and have people reach out who are going through similar things, you know, and it's it's just so crazy that alcohol can can really keep you so small. And I'm like you, like I'm not telling everyone to stop drinking. I'm not telling my friends that or forcing anyone like my mom still drinks, you know, every day here in my house. And I just, I don't say much, you know, but I just wish they knew. I wish they knew what it was like on the other side, because you're right. It's the possibilities are endless. And I didn't have a purpose before this. I felt like my purpose was being a mom or, you know, just like things that were mediocre, not saying being a mom is mediocre, but I wanted something for me that I knew that was meaningful to me. And just for Charlotte, that could help me not only express myself, be creative, help other people feel passionate about. And I was nowhere close to that when I was still drinking and with the mixture of not drinking and learning all the tools that I needed to, it was like this whole other world opened up, you know, that I didn't even know was possible. I didn't believe was was possible because of my limiting beliefs. That's another thing I love in your book is, is how you break those down. And those were huge, pivotal moments where I was like, wow, that's such bullshit. Everything I thought or thought I believed was like such BS. And it's like this veil's lifted from your eyes and you can't unsee it, you know? I want your opinion on what types of limiting beliefs you've seen the most that keep people drinking. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so there's all the beliefs we have around alcohol that get just wrapped up about why we need it or why we are not good enough on our own, right? So I am like somehow defective in this. And it does not even have to be this big limiting belief, but just like even the the very innocent idea of like drinking, helping me relax Mm -hmm. is like, I want to achieve that state, but I don't believe I can achieve it on my own. I need alcohol to do that for me. Right. And think about it for some more complex things like social anxiety, for example, or feeling confident when you're hanging out with people. I did that for years. I'm such an introvert, very shy growing up. So I really relied on alcohol to bring out that confidence. And it was such a limiting belief. Alcohol never made me more confident. It was only deteriorating my self-esteem over time and making me more insecure, but also finding that that's a state that I cultivate within through competence, through practice, through building up that skill. And every time I outsourced it to alcohol, I was telling myself, Carolina, you're not good enough. You're Mm -hmm. not interesting. Nobody wants to talk to you, but here, drink this drink and then you'll be better, you know, and, and how like, how deteriorating that really can be for like a young woman's confidence for sure. And then I find that there's just so many other beliefs about both limiting beliefs that are super personal, but like Mm -hmm. I could never do this or beliefs that are more global. Like for example, that's just not possible. So a lot of people have a belief that like they couldn't have a livelihood or financial freedom, for example, outside of like a nine to five, right? So that's Mm -hmm. like more of a global belief that we, that we anchor into the security of like an employer Mm -hmm. and like, oh, you know, if your uncle's like, well, most businesses fails, like that's like an example of a global belief. But the more personal beliefs were that like, usually it's I am not right. And they all stem from like, I'm not good enough. I'm not capable mm-hmm. enough. 
I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. All these kinds of things. And we don't think that they're tied necessarily to drinking because they're not as conscious. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But in some way, alcohol is like filling this void of this belief that's holding us back in another area of our life. And for me, like I never, ever in a million years when I was still drinking thought I could be an entrepreneur, an Mm -hmm. author, talk online, be on a stage, like none of those things would enter even my consciousness because of such deep limiting beliefs I had about myself. And I think it was the confidence I was getting the first few months alcohol-free where I was like, I never thought I could do this. So maybe Mm -hmm. I was wrong about the other things too. And maybe I'm like willing to explore it. And I started just with the smallest baby steps and almost like dipping my toe into the water of those things that I wanted. Mm -hmm. And every time I dipped my toe, I kind of got more comfortable. And then I was able to dip it a little further and dip a little further. And that's literally how five years later, I've kind of achieved the things I've achieved is like I had to warm up my ego into the idea of what I wanted. Also coupled with this firm belief from my intuition, my higher self, yes, we all have limiting beliefs, but we also have a higher self. We also have a voice that's telling us if we just get quiet enough, what we're here, what we're meant for, what we're here to do. And like when I connected with that, especially on the quiet evenings, like usually looking at the stars or just some really sacred special moments that compelled me so much beyond my fear. So we obviously have so many fears wrapped in going after our dreams that it's easier to just not, you know, we think it's just easier, but the pain of staying in that stuckness is nothing compared to ever facing your fears and facing your fears actually gives you that high, you know, because you then overcome them and you achieve something and you're like, oh my God, I did it. And that's literally what a well-lived life is, is continually living outside your comfort zone. I just read this really good book called a well-lived life. It's about a 102 year old doctor who shares her six secrets to a long life. And you think it's going to be like a health book or eat this food or don't eat that food. Her first secret is like, you have to live with the juice. You have to let creativity flow out of you. You have to have a purpose. And I just felt so purposeless when alcohol was around because I just didn't believe in myself to even go after it and to claim it. And that's the biggest resounding difference of my life. And there's so many things that I'm so grateful of achieving so far on my journey. And there's also so many things on my horizon that I want to keep going for. And the reason why this is so important is that we have to keep growing. Every time we stop growing, our soul is actually dying. You know, so if we're not evolving either emotionally, physically, spiritually in some capacity or achieving something, it's not the point to achieve something. It's not the goal that matters. It's the growth we have along the journey that matters. And I think that just for so many years, if not decade, I was living in that total plateau with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And I would do things like I got masters, I would do well at work, but all that stuff felt so external. It was so like, this is what other people expect me to do or want me to do. Nothing was like this personal passion dream of mine, if that makes sense. Totally. And I can relate with so much that you said. There's there's so many things about you that I resonate with, especially what you said about being an introvert and how alcohol really, you felt like you needed it to you know, talk with people, be fun. I was the same exact way that, I mean, that's what got me drinking in the first place, you know? So that's something I've really had to like, look at straight in the face. Like, can I be around people and have a good time and let loose? I have not like been out dancing or anything yet, which I'm actually excited to do because I feel like it's going to be really fun and that nervousness is gone. So now it's just like, Either me and my husband are going to go or I'm just like waiting on an invite. I don't know. But there's like all these new things you have to learn 
about yourself. And I feel like for me, alcohol, I was hiding behind it. You know, I was afraid to be who I really am. I was people pleasing all the time. I was saying yes to whatever and whoever because I just wanted to make other people happy. And yeah, completely lost my purpose too. And as someone who grew up with, you know, a lot of childhood trauma, like mixed with that, it just, alcohol was like a, an explosion, you know, putting those two together. Yeah, there's, there's so much that I could unpack from what you said. There really is. You, you have a way of wording things so beautifully. The other thing I wanted to touch on that you talked about was, you know, your self-esteem and confidence, because that was also for me something that I had to learn as well. I, I wasn't confident when I was drinking. I didn't have high self-esteem. And once I started not drinking and, and making that decision, it started to build. So I'm curious your perspective on, you know, how alcohol dims that confidence and how it takes away and, you know, by removing it, what you gain from it and like, what, what could that look like? Yeah. Great as question. A woman, especially as a woman, you know? Yeah. And as like a fellow introvert to another introvert, I think that we, we expect or think and maybe this is just me, but I think it's a lot of people. We think that just other people have this confidence gene and we just didn't get it or something. And <laughs> it's just something you're born with and, and yeah. we can never have it. And so like, I remember thinking that. And so that alcohol became such an easy tool to try to mimic and become that person waking up then being like, well, that was disingenuous. That wasn't my real character. You know, right. that's not who I really am. And like right now I'm talking to one of the most like dynamic, magnetic, charismatic women who's allowing her pure authenticity to come out and her pure passions to come out. And I think that, you know, alcohol comes in to marry those insecurities and those traumas and those just stripes that we have so much going on in both childhood and adolescence. And the universe gives us this challenge. It wants us to grow up. It wants to, us to learn how to be comfortable in our own skin and meet people and, and share our passions and stuff. And alcohol comes and stunts us. It's like, nope, you're not going to learn any of that. We're going to just do it for you. And we're going to have you keep doing this until you're in your 30s or 40s and 50s. And you'll never learn this. So it's like this almost this emotional stunting that alcohol does. Like every time we have a challenge, every time we have an issue, I don't always think of it immediately, but I try to remind myself when I'm going through a really hard time, I'm supposed to go through this for a reason. I'm supposed to learn something here. I'm supposed to process something. Maybe I'm even supposed to go through this to help someone else. And with that kind of like mindset, okay. you can kind of see your challenges differently and really learn to grow through them. And so like without allowing ourselves to like practice literally just socializing without alcohol other than like at work where, you know, maybe you're not drinking in a day, but you know, normal kind of social events, yeah. alcohol is always there. We kind of never learn that. And that's the thing about confidence is it's not something you're born with. It's not something that just some people have. It's the direct result of competence and competence is something you only get from practice. And so this can obviously apply to alcohol, but also anything like anything we want to do. You want to launch a podcast. You want to write a book. You want to post on Instagram you want to, you know, get clients, whatever it is, we're mm -hmm. not going to feel confident right away. And we shouldn't even expect to. What we should do instead is recognize that, you know, that practice that we are allowed to feel nervous. We're allowed to feel scared the first time, even dancing without alcohol, right? Like you're allowed mm -hmm. to feel those feelings, but that through practice, you're going to gain the competence and through competence, you're going to feel confident. And it's also giving a little like pressure off. Like I don't have to be super women at the very get go. You know what I mean? To get started. Yeah. 
And just getting started is a beautiful, beautiful commitment to your bigger dreams. I also think there's ways that we can prime ourselves to feel confident. It's essentially a feeling, right? And like, I mean, even today, I could maybe have a bad day or have something going on where I'm not in the right state of mind. And like you, I feel like I can see it in my work. Like it'll come out if I'm not feeling that confident. So to me, it's also important to be like, if this is a feeling, how can I cultivate that feeling when I need it? So obviously if I wake up, and I say my affirmations, and I listen to a podcast that really, really puts a fire under me, and I maybe have a short workout, like how confident do you think I'll feel just from all that energy I cultivated and that amazing positive state versus if I wake up and look at immediately all the problems that I have, like, or the emergencies I have to take care of that day. Like it's, it's a way that we can also prime ourselves to feel the way we want to feel. And so prime yourself for anything you have to do, whether it's, you know, your first alcohol-free wedding or you want to, you know, go live on your first video and recognize that every single time you do it, you're building a muscle and you're building that confidence. You know, same thing with public speaking for me. Like I was also really nervous about that. And, you know, I've practiced it so much now through podcasts, through stages, through even being on TV that like it doesn't really like, I don't get the butterflies at all anymore. I'm sure there's a stage that will give me butterflies one day big enough, but like the only way I've gotten to that point is through practice, practice, practice. And that builds that confidence. Same thing can be said again about socializing sober. You know, what was sad about me, Charlotte, is that (laughs) I wasn't not only just confident, not confident with like other people that I didn't know very well, like even my family, I would have felt so awkward to not drink around like at night because I just didn't feel confident in my skin. Like, what do I say to my sister? I don't know how to relate to my parents. So it's like, even the people who were the closest to me, I believed I needed alcohol. So like the first thing wasn't even like this big task of like, learn how to talk to 500 people at a networking event is just like, how can you feel just comfortable in your skin? Yeah. 100%. That, that is something that I've had to learn as well. And Okay. First, I want to say, I absolutely love how you said confidence is competence. Like it turns into that. That makes so much sense. And I know I've heard that I've heard you say that before, but now I'm, I'm seeing it play out in my own life. And I'm like, yes, I feel more confident now each episode that I do each podcast that I do each time I go show my face on Instagram and share a video or even in work, you know, I lead team meetings and I'm facilitating and, and each time I'm just like growing and growing and growing. And you know, two years ago, I would have never thought I could do it. So now that confidence is built and, you know, eventually, hopefully it's, it's on a stage or, you know, it's leading, you know, even larger groups of people. So that was such a great way to put it. It it makes so much sense. And then priming yourself. Wow. That is something that I need to really work on, honestly, because I feel like, especially the morning routine, you know, being in social work and having so many things thrown at me once it's, you know, 8 a.m., it's it's like putting out fires all day. And I have to, some mornings I don't, I'm not regulated because I'm getting the kids ready and it's hectic. And then I go straight into work and and I can feel it and it comes out in my work, just like you said. And it's like, if I would have taken that time earlier in the morning and and really set myself up for mental success, especially, you know, like inside my body, I probably could have handled the things better that came at me. I could have been just in a better mindset throughout the day and thought of things differently. 
last thing I love that you said is when you're going through a problem and looking at it from a different perspective, because we get so caught up in what we're going through and, and we think it's like, you know, the worst thing. But if we can look at it the way that you just described, whether this is I'm happy, this is happening to me for a reason. This something I, I've always believed that, too. So this really resonates with me. This is either going to help me this is going to help someone else after I'm through this. I'm going to learn something from this. I'm going to grow through this. It's so beautiful because just that little flip and it's like you can take it on. You can handle it. So thank you so much for sharing those things. They really can make changes in people's lives, like actual changes when you start just changing these little things about the way you think and it really gets to your subconscious. You know, I love that. So thank you. Of course. Thank you. I mean, I need the reminder too, especially with priming. Like it's something that I forget sometimes is in my toolbox and even having little things that you can do, you know, even if you can't devote the whole whatever time to do a long ritual, but like something even small that you can anchor into your morning or day to just remind yourself to to pick that up again. And I think that's just one of the most beautiful things we can do. And and sometimes I, I think I see it too, like talked about even in spirituality, like we use different sometimes languages, like maybe a meditative teacher would use different terms and language than I do. Mm-hmm. But it's just like, how can we live in that beautiful place, like that mindful place where we're not like constantly frazzled or we're not thinking of worrying of the future or ruminating on the past? I think it's the same concept, just said differently. Yeah. And it's that mindful piece too, of just, I've had to learn that, you know, uh, probably a year and a half ago is when I started really understanding what being mindful means. And it's literally, for me, it's sitting down, it's recognizing the walls around me, it's hearing my, feeling my heartbeat, hearing my breath. And then it's even, you know, looking at the leaves on a tree, or now I I make it a point to just stop and really look at those things, because we go so fast through life. And these little moments throughout the day, I'm like, wow, I just saw another butterfly. That's so beautiful. You know, thank you. And they just change, they change the way I feel inside my body. You know, these, these little, little tiny moments throughout the day that I can use to really like regulate myself. And like you said, use, use every moment to kind of, I don't know, evolve and grow, you know? Yeah. And that's why I'm so passionate about personal development and growth because we can change our relationship with anything. We can change our relationship with alcohol, obviously, is a big part of our conversation. We can change our relationship with money. We can change our relationship even with time, you know, like how rushed we feel or how much expansive time can feel to us. It's all like in the mind, right? And so like we can create more ease, more abundance, more success, more joy, more connection in our lives, but it's all a mind game first. And there's a lot of work involved. I'm not trying to say it's easy or made up or something like that. There's a lot of work involved but I think that's the work of our lives. I think that's why we're here on this planet. Yeah, for sure. And I've I've been so lucky to meet people like you and you people who have gone through things for 10 years and they have learned so much from it that now they're packaging it and allowing people like me to learn from it. You know, it's such a beautiful thing and and I know eventually I'll be there too. So it's a ripple effect for sure and and it's it's just such a beautiful thing and that's why i appreciate you so much and you know the two other programs that i've done they're just all together my life dramatically changed if you ask anyone around me they would tell you she's a different person like i'm still charlotte but now i'm just like i'm actually showing up as charlotte and it's i'm not making stupid decisions or saying things out of character i can trust myself i'm confident 
and there's still so much to do like you said you know it's it's a journey but along that journey is all the growth and it's i'm just so thankful right now and grateful that i that i'm here in this place and i'm interviewing you on my podcast like wow (laughs) it's kind of it's hitting me right now i'm like well this is this is truly awesome (laughs) so thank you this is my deeper why this is why i do what i do so much is that i just want to help as many people and not just let go of the things that no longer serve them but then find that sense of purpose and passion in their lives because you are now creating such a ripple effect. Anyone listening to the show, you are becoming that inspirational person, that model for other people. And this is, I really do believe how we change the world. I think I always cared about changing the world since I was little, but like I I was so stuck in that. How do you do that? Are you supposed mm-hmm. to just donate to this charity or change this bureaucratic system? And I don't have the control or the power to do a lot of those things, but empowering other humans, even if it's one by one by one by one, and then those people go on to empower other humans, like I think that that's our place in the world that we do have control and autonomy over yeah. and a beautiful gift that we can give to other people. So thank you for taking your message, taking your story, taking all these things and sharing it out with people. Honestly, if it wasn't for you, Carolina, I wouldn't have started this podcast. You truly, truly helped me feel, how do I put it? Like I finally felt what it's like to feel empowered because of you. So I'm forever grateful and I can't wait to continue growing and working with you and in whatever way that happens. I'm just so excited. And I really hope to be on that trip to Costa Rica in April next year, because that's going to be amazing. I know any retreat with you is life-changing. So I have to hop on one of those. Oh, amazing, Charlotte. I cannot wait. (laughs) Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. Of course. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you loved what you heard, please leave me a review on iTunes, share it with your friends and tag me on social media. You can find me on Instagram at healinganddealing.podcast and by joining our Facebook group. Be sure to follow me for inspiration, tips, and exciting news about upcoming episodes. If you are interested in working with me one-on-one or have questions or comments about what you heard today, please email me at healinganddealing.podcast at gmail.com. Your support means the world to me. I'm so grateful to be sharing my voice and the voices of others with you. Now, let's keep healing and dealing. We'll see you in the next episode.